Welcome back to Humans of Medicine, a podcast where we interview and learn about different types of people in medicine and research. Today we've got Izzy, a Kiwi doctor turned startup enthusiast and all-round legend. After two years as a house officer, Izzy pivoted to learn about startups and work as a platform manager at Blackbird, an Aussie to New Zealand venture capital firm. Among other experiences, which we'll go into more detail in the pod, she's also building a newsletter called Bootstrapped, giving a fortnightly lowdown on all things New Zealand startups. We chatted about her journey in figuring out what she's passionate about, learning to take a risk on yourself, her experiences as a house officer, and the New Zealand startup ecosystem. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, Izzy, for hopping on to the podcast. Really excited to have a chat with you today. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So I wanted to start off kind of learning a bit about your journey so far, going from you know JMO in medicine all the way to startup enthusiast at Blackbird. Um, and so my <laughs> first question is a little bit about your journey. What drivers would you say led you into medicine and what drivers led you out? Mm, good question. Okay, so... I wanted to be a doctor since I was probably like 12 or 13 years old. So <laughs> I was really, yeah, really classic, was kind of pursuing this medical pathway for a really long time. And I think I could probably distill the main driving factors for that into a couple of different things. The probably most dominant one was this idea of wanting to make a positive impact um, through my career. And at that point in time, I was kind of understanding positive impact to be sort of like net positive impact on the world <laughs> um, you know I leave things a little bit better than I came out of it and medicine for me on the surface at that time seemed like a really tangible way to do that because you're supporting people through like a really vulnerable time in their lives you're helping treat people with diseases um, and not just that the impact it can have on them but also their families was something that um, really drew me into the medical field but then there's also generally really enjoying the sciences I found it all super interesting um, Mm. and altogether cumulatively those things um yeah resulted in me wanting to become a doctor mm. so pursued the medical pathway um went straight into med school from high school <laughs> mm. <laughs> did the doc did the, did the med student thing and then started working as a um, health officer where that idea of the impact that I wanted to make through my career was really, really challenged. I found mm -hmm. that I never quite enjoyed myself or found myself, I never found the work fulfilling in the way that I thought I would going into it. Mm -hmm. um, and it took me a while to articulate to myself why that was. Um, and for the first year or so, there was always a reason why I wasn't enjoying it, like a different way to rationalize it to myself because mm -hmm. it was the way I had kind of, it was the path I had wanted to pursue for so long. Course, so yeah. some of the rationalizations were like, oh, it's still very early. I need to give it at least X amount of time and then I'll start to enjoy it. Mm. Or, um, oh, I'm, I'm in surgical runs at the moment and I'm not like surgically inclined. <laughs> I have to yeah, wait yeah. till I circle back to medicine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Then yeah. it will be fine. It's, mm. It was always like at, at the, this distant point in the future, then it will get better. Um, and the point at which, um, I kind of was confronted with the fact it wasn't going to get better when it was when I had done a full year, probably as a house officer, had circled back to medicine, which is what my interest was in at the time. And I still was not enjoying myself at all. In fact, like probably mm. even less so than I was the year before. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so it forced me to confront the fact that, okay, on paper, I'm in an environment where I thought I would be thriving and enjoying my work, but I'm really not. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the conclusion that I came to, so TLDR of like my soul searching, yeah. <laughs> was that <laughs> I um, realized that I didn't like being at the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff um, mm. and often felt that clinical work felt like band-aid solutions right like Mm. you're kind of fighting fires all the time dealing with the downstream consequences of a lot of upstream factors in society like housing education employment that all ultimately accumulate in someone's health or contribute a significant you know role in people's health outcomes and my passion lay not with like the fighting fires but with shifting the dial on some of those more challenging Mm. issues Mm. So then started my journey into figuring out, well, what does that look like in terms of a career if it's not being a doctor? And I kind of stumbled across the startup scene through talking to friends of friends and people who worked in the space. Um, and I talked to a really lovely man called Andrew Chen, <laughs> who mm-hmm. works at Matu. Um, they're a deep tech um, invest- uh, VC uh, based um, in New Zealand. Awesome. Um, and that was my first exposure to this idea that you can actually make a positive impact on the world through business. Um, mm. And it was never something that I had thought about before. It mm. seems so simple, but it was when I thought about business in high school or growing mm. up, it was always very associated with corporate. Um, mm. Sleazy and guys associated... in suits. <laughs> oh, that's exactly it. It was so strange because yeah. I didn't realize I had these underlying assumptions of what business and tech and careers in that space meant right like Mm. i had this assumption exactly as you said like old white dudes in suits (laughs) (laughs) who are kind of like only out to make a buck and don't really care about the environment Mm. um and that's just not true (laughs) Mm. Mm. um so i yeah i did the start my women's fellowship which was the most amazing way to kind of be welcomed into the australian new zealand startup ecosystem was super inspired by all the people i met and how people in the startup ecosystem not only are they identifying problems but they're actually actively building something to solve those problems that they're passionate about Mm. which I loved and so I knew that this was the space for me (laughs) awesome and yeah started a newsletter um, about the New Zealand startup ecosystem fast forward maybe six to eight months I or maybe about a year quit my clinical job um, and joined the team at Blackbird Ventures as platform manager and here you are now on and this here podcast I am. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, uh, thank you for that in-depth answer. And I think there's a lot of things that I personally can resonate with. And I'm sure a lot of people in their first year of medicine, when they're a bit kind of starting to think, oh, is this even for me? Or as you said, in your first kind of year as a junior medical officer, you start to think, oh, is this the right pathway for me? And I think mm. obviously we need clinicians, right? That they're the kind of firefighters yeah. of the medical community which support us but it might not be the right fit for all of us. And it sounds clear Mm -hmm. from reflection and soul searching that you've identified what apparently at least feels best for you, which is really cool to hear. I think we're going to dig into all of those different points about your newsletter, about, you know, your current experience, et cetera. But I want to first also go back a little bit to, you know, your house officer rotation days, because we're we're currently in medicine. The dark ages. The dark ages. (laughs) Um, We're all kind of like exploring specialties right now, so to say. And I know that you during those rotations you had gp cardio neuro surgery all that Mm. kind of stuff out Mm -hmm. of those would you say there were any that you particularly enjoyed 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I loved my neurology run. So I did three months nice. with the neurology team at Auckland Hospital, and that was mm -hmm. so much fun. I think, though, a big <laughs> a big component of the runs I enjoyed was the, t was the team I was with um, mm, yeah. and the kind of um, environment that it fostered um, and probably how interesting the cases were as well. But mm. neuro in Auckland is a regional centre, so you get some really interesting inpatient cases Um the team was awesome. There was this really cool culture of like um, learning from one mm. another. And they had like mm. a weekly meeting with the whole department where you talk through cases. And I love just listening to the bosses, like not fight <laughs> each other, but like. Argue was, friendly. friendly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like have constructive conversation around like, you know, their diagnostic thought processes and how they would have approached things differently. It was such a cool environment to learn in and be exposed to as a student. And I got to do my own lumbar puncture clinics every Wednesday. So oh, that was super yeah. fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That, um, so neuro was by far the favorite. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, I'm currently gunning for neuro currently. So it's good news for me. <laughs> Neurology sounds awesome. Come to Auckland. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely keen to come back. I guess, you know, did you ever think much about specializing in general? I actually did. So I always thought I was going to end up being a med reg. I mean, God forbid. <laughs> looking back now. <laughs> looking back now, I'm quite happy that's not the pathway or life that I chose for myself. But um, mm. yeah, all throughout, all throughout med school, I definitely kind of knew I was medically inclined, really enjoyed complex medical patients and like the physiology and diagnostics um, behind that. I was particularly interested in obstetric medicine. So like kind of medically managing complex um like women with complex medical issues during their pregnancy um I really liked it because it was a really interesting group of like patients to engage with and often and the people who come through obstetric med clinic may not have engaged with the healthcare system before so it was a really cool opportunity to do like um a lot of like health education health promotion where people might not otherwise have that touch point with the healthcare system and might not for a long time after their pregnancy. What were some of the most memorable moments in obstetrics or neurology, would you say? Ooh, um, I definitely think about my lumbar puncture clinics, <laughs> getting to run around to all the hyperacute stroke calls with the mm. neuroregistrars was pretty fun. Mm. Um, and the Thursday Arvo teachings. I, well, for obstetric medicine is so subspecialized like you don't get a lot of exposure to it as a house officer but I remember going to some clinics just um because some of the team were kind enough to like have me on and and sit in on things and one of the actually one of the patients that I still remember really clearly to this day was this was a lady who had gestational diabetes um I think it was her third pregnancy and she um was from like a low ECS background, was working lots of night shifts. Um, and and it was the first time like in that setting. Well, so so one of the things I heard the um, physician say was like, has anyone actually exp explained to you like what diabetes is? Mm. And, and she was <laughs> like, oh, no. And then <laughs> she went and I was like, oh my God. And then she went through, yeah. so then the physician went through this explanation of, oh, diabetes is like just kind of explained in really simple terms, the physiology of it mm. um, and what the different interventions are for and how that will affect her pregnancy. And the reason that it struck me was like we, that was the first time I've ever heard a clinician actually explain what diabetes was <laughs> to a patient. <laughs> yeah, crap. <laughs> right? 
We're yeah. so good at telling people to, oh, you have to take your insulin or you have yeah, to take yeah. XYZ medication. And then we get annoyed when they don't do it. But have mm. we actually effectively communicated to them why that's important and the effect that it's going to have on their like disease, mm. right? Mm. Um, so that was a really like, yeah, it was, it's so simple, but it was such a good like reality check for me. And like, yeah, how much sure. am I assuming that a patient knows? Um, am I communicating effectively in a way yeah. that um, they can understand and like, yeah, what kind of what kind of assumptions are we making when we're mm. talking to people sitting across from us? Mm. A little bit of a tangent, but it was um quite a, a memorable case for that reason. Yeah, no, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think even now, like when we're in the rest boards, we kind of you know tell patients. So oh, we get patients that you know give us their histories and like give some background information, and they say they have emphysema, and then mm-hmm. we kind of like go back and think, oh, wait, is that referring to COPD holistically as a disease, or mm-hmm. specifically emphysema, et cetera? And I think it really goes to show the patient just knows that they have pain, right? <laughs> and unless they have a medical background with it, they don't have the same way of thinking of, of us as doctors. So that's very interesting. Yeah, it was true. And sometimes you, like, it's worthwhile even checking. So, so for example, patients says they have emphysema, like, what does that mean to you? Um, mm, and actually exactly. checking that their understanding of what it is, is aligned with like what you're talking about. Because if you don't do that, then you're having two completely different conversations. Mm, you're not on the same page. Exactly. I was also curious, did you have other interests during your medical degree? So I know you were kind of laser focused on medicine at that time, but also read somewhere that you wanted to be a rock star when you were a kid. So oh I was my curious God, if, did you read that? <laughs> I'm not sure if, if you know, tell me so if that's like, false, but who exposed um, me? <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> actually, no, that's actually true. Like, um, I, so, okay, before I wanted to be a doctor, so before my like early teens, I wanted to be a musician and I wanted to nice. um tour around the world and perform because I really loved like rock music but I think to everyone's benefit I did not pursue that pathway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other interests uh during during mid school I think I've always been broadly interested in like what's going on in the world and I think even through med school even though I was laser focused on medicine, I did feel like I was someone who was always going to have a hybrid degree. Like I would, Mm. medicine was never just going to be the only thing that I did. I always wanted to do medicine plus something else, but what that additional thing was, I wasn't sure what that would look like yet. Turns out it's completely the other (laughs) thing and not not medicine. So I was half right. (laughs) 50% close Um, enough. Yeah, close enough. But um, I also um, like bouldering with my mm. my husband. Um, mm. I've always really enjoyed reading and like probably doing more creative things. Though I didn't give it much love during my mid school years, like sewing and making clothes and um, doing a bit of painting and and writing. Mm. So mm. I've always liked to kind of dabble in slightly creative things. That never thought that it could be a career path. It was more just like a hobby. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say you just, you know, went to bars and sang, you know, in the weekend or something <laughs> during school. But... <laughs> no, well, I did have a band in mid school and we performed yeah. at one wedding. Okay, yeah, it. I was waiting for that. I'm sure it's something like that in there. <laughs> yeah. um, I wanted to now move a little bit more to just kind of get your views on the healthcare system in New Zealand. Um, as we're both Kiwis, I'm sure we're both a bit of Kiwi pride, okay. but also some thoughts on what could be done better. So I wanted to start first on the more optimistic side. What do you think is mm-hmm. New Zealand's biggest strength in healthcare? 
Ooh, good question. I would say I think the fact that it is accessible to everyone, and I know this can often get into like a political debate, but I actually think that like socialized healthcare is a really big strength for our country because it means that a lot of people who wouldn't otherwise have access to care get it um, for free. And it's definitely not perfect, but I think that's something that we do really well. Awesome. Um, yes. I think a similar similar kind of strength on Australia as well. Universal healthcare is definitely a privilege that we, we, um, we're yeah. lucky to have. And totally. in terms of, I guess, some of the issues, maybe instead of going for the more straightforward ones, I guess, to, speak, to say, to say <laughs> it that way, which health issues would you say don't get enough attention? Uh, issues that don't get enough attention. Well, I, I guess it's an interesting, it depends on what you mean by attention and attention from who, right? Mm. Because I think a very topical thing within the healthcare community right now, at least in New Zealand, is retention of like junior and junior staff in particular, but also senior staff um, in the long term in New Zealand. Um, and then that's something that's talked about very widely in mm. New Zealand within the community, but it's not something that's necessarily talked about very publicly. Mm. Like, for example, I haven't seen much on that in mainstream media channels. Um, mm. So there's a lot of challenges from my, well, from what I've seen and like, obviously fact check and take with yeah, a yeah, 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 grain of, of salt what I say, but from my perspective as a junior doctor who's worked within the New Zealand healthcare system for a limited amount of time, say two years, one of the like biggest challenges at the moment is vacancies mm. and junior staff kind of getting burnt out um, and, and leaving um, mm. either to go over to Australia where the pay and working conditions are comparatively better to what we have here or people quitting like me, although I think I was <laughs> always destined to quit. So <laughs> probably not a very good mm. story um, to, to model that that after, um, but also just taking significant amounts of time off to, mm. to travel. Um, so it's, yeah, retention of staff and that can, I guess it relates back to a lot of different issues and it can be different for each hospital, right? Like mm. in some hospitals, maybe it's more weighted towards like culture or maybe it's more weighted towards opportunity for flexible employment um, or staffing. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, burnout and despair, mm. for sure. <laughs> which yeah. sounds really grim, um, mm. but that's kind of a, a, a feeling that you get. Mm. Um working working within healthcare but I do think there are a lot of probably good people within the system who are advocating for change but it's really hard to measure how the dial has shifted on those some of those issues um, mm, that's with right. time yeah mm. like what's the KPI for just JMO well-being <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh -oh. true and does anyone care like <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> and if so who <laughs> exactly it's yeah. Interesting, because I think um, I sometimes see a lot of stuff on uh, from the UK as well about junior medical graduates just going off to consultancy or like, you know, just other professions because yeah. the working conditions or et cetera didn't fit for them. And it sounds like, you know, when you talk about yourself as a Iwi medical graduate, for yourself, it may, may have just been alignment, but maybe for others as well, it sounds like burnout, working conditions, different life priorities. Would you say those were the main kind of difficulties facing Kiwi graduates? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely can't speak on behalf of all, but they're yeah. definitely common mm. problems that I hear about a lot. And for me, I think it was alignment is the fundamental issue, but I think burnout and working within that kind of 
framework probably accelerated my timeline to quitting. I think if some of those things had been different, I would have stayed for longer. Mm. Mm. And Yeah. would you say that's kind of the thing that, you know, again, we're just, uh, you know, recent doctor and medical student talking. Um, but would you say that's kind of like the thing that needs to change to retain more of that New Zealand talent? Oh, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a complicated answer, but I think, I guess it, it's complicated and it's simple. Like, Yeah, I think yeah. the simple part is fundamentally, it comes down to do your workforce feel valued? Are you looking after them? Um, and if the answer is no, then how can you expect to retain them? Like, it's kind of, that's the simple piece, but the complicated part is like, what if, In a, in a system that has limited resources and how do you most effectively make those changes that will shift the dial on making people feel valued and supported in their workplace environments? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Being wary that this conversation probably would be better held with public health uh, professionals. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll put a pin in this one for now, but it's very interesting to hear your perspective. Um, Because, Yeah. you know, I'm thinking about my Otago and Auckland mates as well. And they've been talking about, oh, we kind of want to move over to Australia or some of them, you know, enjoy it a lot in New Zealand. But it's definitely like a universal problem, so to speak. I wanted to move on now a little bit to kind of your experience in the startup community. In other words, your interactions with founders, as well as what you're working on in Bootstraps. My first question here is kind of a broad one, very general, but I was curious, what opportunities in New Zealand innovation would you say you're most excited for? Oh, I think it's not necessarily opportunities, but I think what I'm most excited about is the growth of the New Zealand ecosystem. And, and as the ecosystem develops, like the kind of talent it's attracting um, and the potential New Zealand has on the world stage. I still think, I think the New Zealand ecosystem is definitely maturity wise, like a few good few years behind Australia, but that is part of what makes it so exciting because <laughs> you're kind of, I, for me, I'm kind of, even though I'm new to the ecosystem, I'm in, in it at a time of like probably significant change and growth and like things in the background slowly coming together before I think it will like, you know, completely explode and take off. It's like that Um, Yeah. in the um, exponential like graphs, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the like Yeah. nascent period before everything grows exponentially. So I think Mm. that's what I'm most excited about to see the visibility of careers and startups um, and, and what that actually means and the mainstream narrative around that changing um, and what opportunities that will unlock for us as like a nationwide ecosystem. Mm. Mm. And that's very exciting to hear. Um, in terms of those kind of like world stage opportunities, bit of a hard question, but would you say there are any areas right now where you think New Zealand punches above our weight? Well, <laughs> oh, that is a hard question because I'm definitely Yeah. <laughs> no expert. Um, but I was actually um, talking the other day to someone about, actually on another podcast, <laughs> about um, Nice. how I think the opportunities for New Zealand to build in like the clean tech or ag tech space um, on the international stage are pretty, pretty great, especially from the perspective of our like international brand from being a clean green nation. Um, if we're actually building solutions in that space, we have really strong international branding to fit with
but that's that's the first one that comes to my mind. <laughs> no, nah, that's fair. That's no, fair. so not really awesome. egg tech or clean tech, but still kind of like, yeah, in the, in the farming kind of mm. ecosystem. No, yeah, no, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, and I think this is kind of like up your warehouse, but what support would you <laughs> say that founders currently need but currently can't get in the New Zealand ecosystem? Oh, yeah, great question. Um, one thing that I do or have had feedback on is the lack of access to mentors who have international experience in like growing and, and building a business on the international stage. Um, I think in part that's because of the age of our ecosystem. We're still quite young and we, we don't have many great local, there are obviously some, but we don't have a huge volume of um, examples of people who have gone and done that and are, have come back and are accessible mm. to mentor and the mm. next generation. Um, so that's that's probably the one thing that I've heard um, mm. talked about most frequently. Mm, makes sense. Because you often hear mm. of kind of like people who go overseas, build up unicorns and come back and spread their knowledge back <laughs> to their, their homeland. So it's yeah. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. yeah, it's like the virtuous cycle of, of like, talent begets talent and then like exactly. they come back and share their learnings and and so yeah. on and so forth and we haven't necessarily got the critical mass of that yet but it's on, mm. on its way mm, for the positive feedback loop to go crazy yeah yeah that's um <laughs> and i wanted to go back to kind of like bootstrapped itself i was curious how have yeah. you found building the newsletter and what advice would you have given to yourself when you're starting out yeah okay i have really enjoyed building the newsletter um for context if anyone hasn't read it before or come across it it's a fortnightly um newsletter that summarizes everything that's happened in the new zealand startup ecosystem so it's news events um founder profiles and jobs um kind of aiming to just bring everything together into one place so it's easy to catch up on what's going on mm. um maybe i'll start with the advice i would give myself which would be just to to not take yourself so seriously and just start just do it nike <laughs> i think you know seriously just do it i think it's the biggest barrier to me doing it was my own like self-criticism and self-doubt and and perfectionist tendencies and that's something that i really had to work on with my career mm. transition mm. um and that constant like kind of reframing what success looks like and stepping away from like pursuit of perfection or an on paper like metric of success which does hold some value but it's not everything um i think sure. the way i weighted those things was disproportionately on those like outcomes mm. um but yeah, yeah the biggest barrier for my own like growth will be what is that like perfectionist mindset so i would tell myself just to start if it's not perfect it's okay you would just build it and make it better as you go based on the feedback that you get and like it doesn't mm. change your inherent value as a person <laughs> if your first yeah. iteration of something you've never done before is not perfect <laughs> and like sense. that's okay <laughs> mm, 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 mm. getting through that perfectionism makes sense um and what would you say has been kind of who would you say has been the most inspiring you know, founder or even person you've met along um, during your bootstrap journey? Oh, that's a great question. There's so many. I The funny thing is like every time I talk to someone about what they do and like why they're passionate about it and why they're building, I always come away inspired and having learned mm -hmm. something, which is mm -hmm. a bit of a cop-out answer, but I think 
the thing that I learned through that is everyone you talk to has kind of a unique um, view of the world and a unique mm. skill set, which will place them in a position to solve a specific problem. And and it's so interesting to learn from them about that. Um, so mm. basically anyone I talked to on Bootstrap was... Um, everyone was awesome. <laughs> Um, if you had to pick else, one, though, I think yeah, if you had to pick one. I have, if I had to pick one, I this might be a lateral answer. Um, mm. It's not actually anyone I've talked to through Bootstrap, but it's actually a student who I met who mm. studies at the um, University of Canterbury. Um, she's a software engineering student. Um, mm -hmm. Her name is Saskia, and she's a really the reason I find her inspirational is because she's a really like passionate young person with a lot of like um motivation to go out and build things in the world so she's mm. kind of working as part of like the women in um, software engineering group um, running events there she's built like a um or working on a platform with her co-founder chinzi um to showcase the stories of women in the tech field to kind of you know break down um assumptions of what careers in tech look like um mm. Mm. and kind of increase the visibility stories of women um, mm. in tech to kind of, yeah, role model that for other people. Oh, and yeah. I just thought that was really, really cool to be doing stuff like that when you're so young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You respect that energy yeah, that was, kind of drives. Very, yeah, to be willing to go out there and build and create things and, mm. like, just put yourself out there and try um, mm. and mm. create those opportunities for other people at such a young age I think was really, was really awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually a good way to segue into my final wrap-up question here, which is mm -hmm. kind of thinking about those early, uh, you know, yourself even as a first-year kind of like medical student or those early, early students in general, what would be the biggest piece of advice you'd give? Oh, I think what I would, if I could go back and maybe give myself advice when I was a first-year med student or even in high school was just to kind of like, think carefully about why you're doing what you're doing and if this is like the right vehicle to make mm. the impact that you want to make but also um like I guess it's a few a few things so it would be it would be what is actually driving you and the decisions that you're making is it mm because if you want to make an impact is it because you are like risk averse and wanting mm. like job security which was like for sure a part of um of course. something that played into my decision making mm. um and is this the right way to do those things is there another vehicle that will be more powerful for you to achieve the things that you want to do and kind of complement your unique like skills and and talents the best and i think the other piece of it would be kind of to think about what the fundamental assumptions you make are about who you are and the kind of things you can do. So mm -hmm. I think for me, I had always, I don't even know where it came from, had this really unfounded assumption that I was never a business person. It wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was I was not a social media person. Um, mm -hmm. And the funny mm -hmm. thing is I've now completely pivoted into career where those I, I do both of those things <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just kind of challenging the assumptions that you make about who you are and like the types of things you can do. Are you mm. doing that based on actually having stress tested it? You've gone out and tried it and it's actually not for you and that's fine. Or you're scared or you've assumed 
something that actually isn't founded in reality and therefore mm. you put yourself in a box um mm. and like limit what you can achieve but yeah also just like yeah i, I said that's probably it <laughs> otherwise i'll start rambling <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't think you ramble is it? it's always interesting but it sounds like <laughs> being honest to yourself and being wary of the intrinsic labels that we put on ourselves you know from childhood to even now yeah no yeah, yeah, totally um mm. and where those labels come from like mm, is it just mm-hmm. because you haven't seen anyone modeling exactly. like you haven't seen someone who looks like you mm. doing that thing and so therefore mm. you think it's not possible or mm. yeah so mm. that's a, an interesting one i think also just to challenge yourself on like how do you what kind of person do you want to be and what are the things that make up your core identity because for me like medicine was a huge part of my identity and I didn't even I didn't even realize it (laughs) (laughs) until I was challenging it and it made me rethink like okay if I'm not a doctor and that's who I thought Mm. I was like who am I actually now what does that Mm. mean how do I reframe that to drive my decision making from here on out Mm. um and that was like a really challenging Mm. sort of like journey to go through and obviously I talk about it as if it's past tense but I think with these things it's never like complete and done like I've done my soul searching now I'm finished (laughs) it's always ongoing so don't want to give the impression that I've figured anything out by any means but um, have gone through that stage of my journey of (laughs) self-discovery I mean, it sounds like regardless, it's always going to be tough. But when you're kind of detaching yourself from that identity you've built up over, you know, for example, the years in med school, it's even harder, I'd argue. So mm. oof, a lot of radical honesty with yourself is needed. Um, it's, that's that's it, actually. It's radical honesty and being open, being okay, open to that. It's definitely hard. Um, thank you, Izzy, so much for hopping onto the podcast. Really appreciate it. And yeah, hope you have a brilliant rest of your day. Cool. Thanks, Kevin. My absolute pleasure.